Hello, and welcome to another episode of Leverage and Beverage. I'm your host, Greg Sobosinski, and we're back today for another episode, another business owner, another story, another beverage. Um, and today we have a, a guest I've met uh, a few months ago. We have uh, Ben Roberts III, yes. um, and uh, his business is, is Ben Shine. So, uh, Ben, thanks for coming on. How are you? Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's... Uh, rewind a little bit. I, I met you about a few months ago and um, I don't know, you just seemed like a very cool guy. <laughs> and uh, I really just wanted to um, explore your story, explore um, you know, some of the ways that you were able to create what you've created. Um, so why don't you give us a little bit of insight into um, your business and um, how, you, how you got here? Okay, Greg. First of all, Greg, first of all, thanks for the compliment. And uh, I'm glad to be here and giving honor to God. Greg, I, uh, first of all, Ben Shine, it's actually a, uh, a title for a shoe shining service that mm -hmm. I have, shoe shining business. And the way I got here, Greg, is that uh, starting from Buffalo as a kid, as a kid, uh, I grew up in a family that was, they had a uh, policy of uh, dress for success. Mm. Okay, my dad was military, so he started me shining shoes when I was eight. Okay? Gotcha. My mom was a presser. We owned a small cleaners, Buffalo, New York. Uh, good middle class parents. Uh, my mom was a presser, so my mom really instilled. She had that whole thing about there's nothing like a well dressed man. Mm. And my dad, being military, everything had to be in place and impeccable. So uh, just to go back a little bit and. Uh, so when I was eight, my old man started me shining shoes. He comes in my bedroom one Saturday afternoon, right? Beautiful day, gorgeous day. Well, you know, I'm up, it's, uh, I had breakfast, and I'm thinking about all these things I'm going to do that an eight-year-old would do. Ride a bike, go swimming, uh, play football, so forth, so forth, right? <laughs> so my old man comes in the room, and he says, uh, he says I'm going to show you something. So he shows me this little wooden box that I have no clue what it is, right? It's got this little footstep on it. I still have it today, as a matter of fact. He says, I'm going to show you this one time. My old man was hardcore. He says, I'm going to show you this one time, and then I want you to learn it. Mm. And then I want you to go around to an entire neighborhood every Saturday afternoon and offer to shine their shoes for church on Sunday. Mm. Right? So needless to say, I'm not a happy eight-year-old, man. Right? <laughs> I mean. That's pretty young. That's yeah, pretty young. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you know, my mind is on playing, doing what eight-year-olds do. And here my old man wants to put me at work or something that I don't have a clue about. <laughs> so, and this is what he does. He shows me one time, he shows me the products, he shows me the polishes, he shows me his shoes, which are always shined, right? He said, this is the before, this is the end result. This is what I want to see. So he teaches me one time, he says, oh, show me show me what you've learned. I go through it, the shoe looks terrible. <laughs> you know, he, he's not very happy. He says, I'm going to show you one more time, all right? So he shows me, and I get it better. He says, okay, you're ready. He says, so this evening, right after dinner, I want you to go knock on the door. And I lived in right in the inner city, east side of Buffalo, right? Nice neighborhood. As a matter of fact, right across the street from Canisius College, where I played two years of basketball for my scholarship. Nice. So uh, I go to the first house. And no, no. Before I go to the house, this is my mindset of an eight-year-old. I'm not doing this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to these houses. I'm going to throw shoe polish everywhere so they won't want me to come back. Oh, man. Right? Right? So, you know, I said, I'm going to prove my old man wrong, which has never happened to this day. God bless. 
So I go to the first house. Man, I got polish all over the grass, the porches, and stuff like this. Blah, blah, blah. So I show them the shoe. The shoe looks, ah, so, 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 so. So I just know they're going to say, like, oh, you know, thank you. They call me Little Ben, by the way, because I'm a namesake, Ben the Third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm a, I'm a junior, so I know. Okay, so you can relate, right? So, uh, <laughs> so the shoe looks so so, and I'm just kind of like rushing through it, just doing half, just half doing it. So they come out and they said, "Oh, that looks that looks great, little Ben. We'll see you next Saturday." <laughs> I'm saying, "What?" You know. So I go to the next house, Greg. I do even worse. Same results. Long story short, I end up doing the whole neighborhood. I end up shining shoes till I was 13 years old. Five years old. I got better and better. I got better and better. And then I got to where I liked it. So I thank God for my parents today because the wisdom that they taught me uh, is so valuable in my everyday life today. Okay. Mm. You know, my old man used to say, you know, he was an advocate of education, degrees and stuff, but he used to use the term educated fool. Mm. You can have all the degrees in the world, but if you don't have wisdom to go with it, you got nothing, hmm. right? You don't even know how to walk across the street. So anyway, I ended up shining shoes till I was like 13. Then I started playing sports, basketball. But that's how I started. And uh, I got good at it. And then they instilled, with my mom being a presser, um, she kept me neat. You know, she, she, uh, jeans, shirts, everything had to be starched. So that kind of policy was embedded within me. Okay, so I started shining shoes my it sounds like your family had the whole uh, looking good uh, thing cornered. <laughs> you know, Greg, uh, my old man had a policy. He had a statement. He said, if you look good, you feel good. Mm. If you feel good, you automatically do good. Mm. And that stuck with me my whole life. And because of that, because of that wisdom, because of that love, because of that concern, because of that male role model, I have a good life. I have a retirement. I got a wonderful home. I got a wonderful wife. Mm. Um, so, you know, words and wisdom like that, you can't put a money figure on it. No, it, it's priceless. And that's what we talk about today. Sometimes at, at my shoe stands, uh, we don't have that today. You know, we don't have that, uh, that family structure. Sometimes we don't have those male role models or role models, period. You know, that's one, some, one subject, my pasture talks about once a month, role models, role models. And maybe even Greg, you could testify to some of this. Um, you know, you look athletic, you like your workout. Well, me playing ball, and, and my old man was a great role model, but I had uh I started playing ball boys club league eight years old. You know, I had boys club director, counselors, coaches. I always had somebody to look up to that was pointing me in the right direction. Hmm. Okay. So all of that passed on to my business ethics today. Right, you know, role models, respect, performance, um, whatever you do, doesn't matter what you do. Like Marilyn Messi, he said, "I don't care if you sweep the streets, try to be the best at it." Do you think that's a a problem today? Do you think people have much less of a, um, I guess, pride in in the work they do, no, no matter what level it's at? Do you think that's something that is not seen as often? Uh, I do, I do, and and I think today, um with some of the younger generation. Uh, I think a lot of the younger generation is too worried about doing me or individualism opposed to like a structured 
kind of upbringing, mm. you know, um, um, and, and I got to speak on this, uh, you know, cause, uh, like I said, a, a appearance is everything for me. And, uh, you know, I get, I get businessmen and, and, in my chair, uh, one of the chairs I work at at National Harbor Gaylord Hotel, and we always talk about work work ethic, uh, careers, families, but uh, you know there's a consensus that whether you're going on a date, whether you're going on an interview, in our country, in our society, we judge and we prejudge. Mm. You know, we just kind of automatically do it. You know, not even thinking about it. Point I'm making is, Greg, you can go for an interview. You could be the perfect guy for the job. But if you go in that interview and that shoe doesn't look right, or you got ketchup on your shirt, right? Now, yeah. whoever that is interviewing, now he's already kind of got like a negative opinion. Like, I don't know, what does this guy's car look like? Or what does his house look like? You know, we we kind of relate these things to our homes or our families. So you're already digging yourself out of hole. You know, you, you kind of better say like the right things this guy wants to hear. For him to get past just how you look. Hmm. And so many guys that uh, I get in the chair, uh, you know, they totally agree. They totally agree. And it, it, it's it's amazing because the ladies that walk past and seeing these guys getting their shoes done at the hotel, man, they have to stop and look. You know, they, they take pictures, you know, and and women may not admit it, some may, but they love to see a well-dressed man and they love to see a man with a good shoe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Absolutely. And, and 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 the mentality to that, Greg, you can have a five hundred dollar suit on, but if your shoe is raggedy, it looks like a one hundred dollar suit. Mm. You can have a perfect shoe, and it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be a hundred dollar shoe or three hundred dollar shoe. But if that shoe is straight, then the rest of your attire looks like a five hundred dollar outfit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a really interesting question, and I'm really intrigued by the background too because I didn't know that about about your parents. How you know um, they were both your dad being from military, your mother being very with, with the pressing stuff. So I mean, it's almost it was impossible for you to ever escape that exactly. <laughs> growing up. It was, um, and uh, I think the 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 thing that that's interesting is a lot of times when I have people on this podcast and talk about you know where they're at today or the business they're doing now, they might be in their mid thirties, forties, fifties, wherever they're at. They've had like a bunch of other things that they've done up to that point. Like they might've started out, you know, in some other field like marketing and they kind of transitioned over here. Or, but it seems like, you know, you were in this <laughs> since like day one. Uh, you know, um, I'm a godly man and I don't want to get off into another subject, but I'm a man of faith. And I believe that God's got the last say for so many reasons in my life. But um, it, it's almost like my life was meant to be a certain course. Hmm. which is where I am today. Now, that's not to say I haven't made mistakes. That's not to say I haven't went through stormy times. But um, to be where I am at today, to be doing what I'm doing, to love what I'm doing, it seems like that that was the plan for my life. And, uh, and both my parents, both my parents, um, not to get too far off the subject, but both my parents back in the 40s, they migrated from the South. Okay, my father from Tennessee, my mother from Savannah, Georgia. And the way things work with that, especially with black families, African-American families, a lot of times you brought your siblings and a lot of times they came north because there was more opportunity. Mm. Now, there was issues of racism at that time, 
but racism a little bit different in the North than it was in the South. That's what both my parents did. They came and they were successful, you know, and you know, they weren't millionaires or, or they, and they weren't rich, but they had great spirits. Um, they had great attitudes about life. They taught me things. And my father always used the word balanced. Your life has got to be balanced. Hmm. Okay. So, so those things were instilled in me along with my appearance. My appearance always had to be immaculate. And when I was in high school, um, I was a ball player, basketball player, and uh, I got a, a basketball scholarship to play for Bishop Fallon, which was a Catholic high school in Buffalo. Well, appearance, uh, uniform, khaki, tie, sport jacket, uh, loafers. Hmm. Um, so, you know, to even continue my path, now that's something that wasn't predicted, and it was something that happened unforeseen, but it happened, you know. I kind of give those kind of things to God where I'm at today. You know, he put me in the right place, put right. me in the right gym, got the scholarship. But once again, it went back to my appearance, my appearance. And just to even piggyback off of that, um, you know, I'm looking at you today. You know, you're, you're casual, but you're clean cut, your hair straight, your outfit matches, <laughs> right? Appearance. Yeah. You know, you didn't want to come do this and have on striped shorts and polka dot shirt and house yeah. shoes and but you came, you know, professionally. Mm. Your appearance is everything. Everything, you know, in, in this country. And, uh, you know, we do. We judge and we prejudge. The the thing about the business that I want to come back to is, so you're, you're shining these shoes at age eight years old. Yeah. You did this until you were 13. Yes. And over over time, you kind of learned learned to like it, I guess. Um, and, and I think there's something to that. There's a, there's some credence, there's some, um, responsibility, there's some agency, some independence that comes with mastering a craft, no matter what, whatever, whatever that is. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, there's things that I've started before and like, I might not have necessarily liked them, even like some certain types of like yard work and stuff, but, but you do it, you do it well. And at the end of the day, you should be proud of what you've done. Exactly. Um, so when that transition happened to where you're 13, what, what was your mindset at, at age 13? You know, Greg, you, you said you said two important words within that statement. One, independence. Two, like it. Hmm. Okay. With, with any business, and this is my own opinion, with any business for it to succeed, you should have a passion for it. You should believe in it. Hmm. You should believe in your product. And you should want to do something that's going to help people. The independence part of it, that goes back to my old man. You know, he was teaching me how to have my own money. He was teaching me communication, which was like at the top of his list. Mm. Yeah, he, he said, and, and you know, and some of these things I have to say, um, and I don't want to offend anybody, but this, this was like my father talking back in the 60s and the 70s. He would say to me, he would say, Ben, I want you to understand something. This might not be a fair world to blacks. He said, but if you can communicate, if you can articulate, he said, you can have a good life. Now, that was a profound statement for me back in the 60s and 70s, and I didn't understand it so much then. But every five or 10 years, it got more clear. Mm. And 
And that is, is that, you know, because of the racism, um, because of uh, unfairness, you know, within our country that's been going on a long time, and not just for blacks, but any person of color, e even, you know, uh, white Americans, th there's always a, a difference of, uh, of status, whether it's money, whether it's geographically where you live at, whether it's health insurance, there's bias within our country. So that statement stuck with me for a long time. And uh, he worked with me. English was like his most important subject with me. Uh, he had me typing on typewriters early. So to say that, um, Greg, the independence that he taught me at an early age, he taught me to be a man. He taught me to speak for myself. He taught me to look at somebody eye to eye when, when you speak. Because both my parents would say, if somebody's not looking at you eye to eye, they're lying to you. Hmm. They're lying to you. If somebody's stuttering, they may be lying to you. Okay? If somebody's got a pause before they make a statement to you, they may be thinking of a lie to tell you. Okay? So a lot of things that come from the heart, um, they come right off the tongue quickly. They come clearly. Because hmm. it's not being thought of. It's just coming from the heart. So, you know, he taught me so many important factors in life that just continue. And by the time I was 13, by the time I was 13, I already felt like I kind of had this own business of mine. Hmm. You know, I had this little shoe shine kit that I carried around. And when people, when people learn that you shine, I don't care what age, even today, my church, friends, you know, I can come home and find a couple of pairs of shoes laying in my carport. Somebody dropped off. My pastor comes once a month. Um, he's passed on, to, uh, on, on my name to different people. But when people find out that you do something like that, which is kind of like a dying art today, mm. but it's called it's considered an old school craft, um, people appreciate it. People appreciate it. So, uh, so yeah, at, at thirteen, at thirteen, I had this. Uh, even though I was still young and a teenager, I felt myself falling into like uh, a man's mentality, mm. you know, because. I had money. I, I I had a certain amount of independence, and my own man was proud of me. And you were were you getting paid at this point? I'm guessing you're getting for even even since you were eight, were you getting paid for every well, every pair of shoes you did? Well, you know what? That that's the whole thing, Greg. That that was another kicker with when he started me. So the day he started me, I said, "Well, Pop," I said, "How much do I charge him?" He says, "Nothing." <laughs> now I'm just you know I'm I'm, I'm flipping you know I'm, I'm I'm so I said nothing. He says he says nothing. He says, your conversation will get you paid. Hmm. So that's how that started. And uh, so, you know, while I'm shining, you know, I'd be like, uh, say the Brown family, Mr. Brown, how are you today? Uh, I saw you going to church last Sunday. You look real nice. So forth, so forth, so forth. So while I'm doing her shoes or her husband's shoes, I'm having conversation with her and I'm complimenting her. So when I'm done, you know, even if I didn't do a good job, she says, oh, well, here a little bit. Here's a quarter, so forth, so forth. So so that's where, like, until you until you fine-tune your craft or your service, you're selling yourself, mm. you know. And you're always doing that today, whether, yeah. you, whether you know it or not, especially today, right, Greg, and you can testify to this, with social media, with cameras, every, always looking at you, you're always networking yourself. You're always representing your family. You're always representing yourself, whether you know it or not.
you know, so, uh, you know, I, I developed a conversation. I learned how to speak to and respect older people. Um, and, uh, and my old man had a, another quote where, uh, what was it? Uh, compliment before criticism, <laughs> which basically if you were like, uh, in a relationship, whether it was a business relationship, whether it was a personal relationship, and there was a difference of opinions, a compliment could kind of ease whatever subject you're going to go into that mm. you may disagree about. Sure. Right? So, you know, whether you and I disagreed about, I don't know whether it's something or something. Yeah, you know, I might give you a compliment. So, you know, Greg, this is a great business you got right here. You know, just I really like what you're doing. You know, but I want to talk about something more important, weather, so forth, that you said something about another podcast. Right. So I'm giving you the respect of your show mm. and what you do. At the same time, I'm breaking into a subject that we may have a difference of opinion about. Yeah, that's really, um, really intriguing. I, th I think it's a great piece of advice. Yeah. I think the other piece of advice that your dad gave you about going around to the houses and doing things for free initially, um, it's it's an interesting business model. In a lot of ways, I've seen that. And I think that's coming back is where people realize that the, the value in a lot of businesses is really in the community aspect. It's really in having people who are striving for a common goal. And this, in this case, it's people who want to look good for the sake of whatever they're trying to achieve. Yes. And so it's almost like you, your dad enabled you to go build this community of people who thought that same thing. And by you, by you showing them, Maybe initially they weren't convinced. Maybe they're just like, oh, well, you know, I, it's, it is what it is. Ben's here. I'll let him shine my shoes. But then after a while, they're like, you know, this is, I do look much better and I can't go back to the way things were before. So it's like, maybe you're not getting paid, but you're, you are getting paid in that you're building a clientele for down the road. That's a very good point, Greg. That's a very, very good point. And, uh, you know, when you say like, you can't go back, it's like, um, <laughs> Like I get these conferences at the Gaylord Hotel. They come once a year. And these guys, you know, they may come every year for like the next five years. These guys, I mean, and we give a good service over there, you know. And part of our service is we give a good shine. We give a good conversation. But also our appearance. I mean, we, I may be shining your shoe, but I'm going to be wearing the same thing you're wearing. Mm. I, I mean, I'm going to be wearing a nice shoe. and nice, You know, I'm, so uh, it's, it's kind of like, you got to look successful to be successful. That's that's part of our selling point too. Yeah, I heard a quote before. It was something along the lines of, um, you know, even if you're not where you want to be, it's like dress dress for the job that you want, not dress the job you have. That's right. You know what I mean? Dress for success. Exactly. Yeah, dress for success. Um, so yeah, and back to that point though about building that clientele and almost like a very, you know, there's there's not much marketing you have to do. You're basically just walking around. And you're you're building you're building a, a business yeah. so to speak in a very in a very s small but very effective way, um, and uh, there's a I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary V at all. Are you familiar with Gary V? No. Um, he's a gentleman. He talks about a lot of marketing stuff. But one of the things he always says he's, he's a book. It's called Jab Jab Right Hook, and it's all about basically giving. And you know you're giving the service initially. It may have been free. It may have just been you know people kind of pay you what what they what they want or what they think the service was worth. But after a while, after you've been there a few times, it's like, well, you know, now you're, let's say you're 11 or 12. Now you have the right to say, hey, you know, this is, this is my rate now. And this yeah. is what I'm charging. Yeah. You, you, almost, you almost, you almost earn their permission to, to start charging them. Greg, you, man, you, you're exactly right. You, you know, you hit it right on the nose. And uh, 
you know, as the years went by, of course, I got better and better. You know, I learned certain techniques. I learned how to shine two-tone shoes, which like might be a shoe that's like like white in the center and brown around the edges, which mm. which can be a difficult shoe if you don't know what you're doing. Um, you learn different shades of brown. You learn so many different things as time goes on. And while you're while you're uh while you're tweaking your craft, you're also tweaking yourself as you get older. You're learning what conversation, you're learning, well, maybe I need to read the Buffalo Evening News so I can have some other conversation other than just a compliment. Hmm. And so, uh, and and I lived in this, I was blessed to live in the same neighborhood my whole life. You know, my father uh, passed away in the house I grew up in. It was like, you know, over 50 years. So uh, I left Buffalo in 78. So when these people would see me come back, um, they would bring up all oh, a little bit. Remember when you shined my shoes and you were like 10 years old and, and man, you did a great job and so forth. They don't know how much they touch my heart with that statement. Mm. And then just in myself, I'm thinking my thinking my old man. And and just fast forwarding to what you're talking about, where you know, people kind of bless you. Thank where you. people kind of expect you to come back or, <laughs> the hotel today. I'll get an email from a guy, let's say Detroit. He healthcare conference. He'll email me. He'll say, Ben, you still at the stand? I say, yeah, uh, Tony. He says, we'll be there next week. He'll bring me his whole closet full of shoes, mm. you know, because he, he says, Ben, he's, I only get them shine once a year when I come here because nobody does a, a good job like you do. So he'll, he'll bring a duffel bag, you know, six, seven pair of shoes. So, you know, uh, that's a compliment to my craft and, and, and to our business, you know. Mm. And, uh, and I'll tell you, you know, talking about the conversation of networking yourself, I get all kinds of conferences, urologists, doctors, and everything. And uh, I got a urologist conference, I don't know, maybe four months ago. They come in, the guy sits down in a chair, and, uh, and I always introduce myself. And, and at the, at the uh, stand, I got a, a two-chair stand. So it's three of us. It's a three-way conversation if I already got somebody in there. So if you're already in the chair, Greg, and let's say Jimmy sits down, I'll say, hey, Jimmy, I'm Ben. This is Greg sitting next to you. Right away, I've broken the ice. Mm. And then Greg, you may say, Oh, what conference are you here? What so believe right, it, yeah. you know, believe believe it or not, I've seen million dollar deals made right in that chair just because of that ice breaking. Wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So cool, right? <laughs> so, That's awesome. Right. So so this one urologist gets in the chair. Well, he gets in that chair. So and this this is personal, but I'm gonna bring this to the show is where uh, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer early in the year. Okay, my old man had it, my grandfather had it, it was in my DNA. So I was watching my PSA, caught it early, and uh, uh, I'm having my last radiation treatment next week, but uh, my PSA went down to like 0 0.3 from 8, which is like amazing. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. Amazing. So anyway, so the urologist gets in the chair. So I started asking some questions about PSAs and, and prostate cancer and all that and so forth. So when he gets out the chair... He says, Ben, he said, man, this is great shine. He said, but when I sat down, man, I thought I was going to talk about baseball and music and women. And, <laughs> and, you, and you hit me with this urologist conversation. He <laughs> said, man, he said, Ben, he said, this was a great fellowship. Mm. You know, so once again, it's going back to a community building. Exactly. What yeah. you said and where my old man started me from, you mm. know, and uh, man, I, I couldn't feel more blessed at this point to 
be doing something in my retirement years that I have a passion for. Mm. I have a passion for it and I know I'm changing lives. And these guys, man, they may see me once or twice a year, but they see me, they shake my hand and they hug me. And it's, it's just like extended family. Yeah. 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 Mm. So have you been doing this all the time since, since you were 13? Uh, you know, when I was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Um, when I started playing ball seriously, it kind of fell off a little bit cause I was really into that balling. And, uh, so, uh, and you know, when you get to, when, when you get to loving something or loving the sport and I love basketball, you know, you eat, drink and sleep it. Mm. So I kind of got away from the shines then, but as I got older, I relocated here. I did two years of college at Canisius college and I left Buffalo because it was going through a depression, blue collar city, steel mills, car factories, mm. everything shut down. And then throw a hundred feet of snow every winter on top of that. That's like a recipe for unhappiness, right? <laughs> so, so I told my parents, I said, you know, I, I hate to go. I said, but I, I don't see any gun life here. So fast forward, seventy-eight, I moved here and uh, kind of job, kind of job, jumped for a little about a little while and then get in the post office. Um, but even when I first got here, uh, I, you know, I always had that little shoe shine box. You know, I always did my shoes and. It's relaxing to me. Like even now, I'll do my wife's shoes. I'll sit out, cook on the grill. We'll listen to jazz, drink wine. I'll do her shoes, do my shoes. And man, it's like uh, therapeutic, mm. you know, therapeutic. So uh, to answer your question, Greg, that has went with me my whole life. And even when I got in the post office, well, when I got in the post office in 84, the appearance was a little bit more stricter than what it is now. Like you couldn't wear baseball caps, you couldn't wear head scarves, and you know, see kids and stuff wearing. Couldn't have shorts hanging off your behind, all that kind of stuff. Which is the younger generation, I get it, but uh, you had to have a more structured uniform and a clean looking shoe. So I'm shining guy shoes in the post office, you know. Uh, always shine shoes for whoever uh, I went to church with, or or. You know, when, when I go in, I go to Mount Olive Baptist Church over in Arlington, Virginia today, Dr. James Victor uh, is my pastor. Uh, I joined that church about six years ago because that was my wife's family's church. And uh, immediately when I first get in there, um, people gravitate to me because of my appearance, you know, hmm. and uh, me and my wife got married in that church six years ago. And uh, so, you know, I would come to, this, come to church every Sunday and uh, they say, oh, Mr. Roberts, you know, nice suit, nice blah, blah, blah. Well, eventually they asked me to be an usher. So I started ushering at the church. And uh, as I got to meet people um, and, and told them about, first they'd always ask me, you know, your shoe looks so good. And where do you get that from? me? I said, well, you know, I shine shoes on the side. Well, you know, all I needed was my pastor to, to hear word of it. So now he drops me off five pairs of shoes maybe once a month or he'll come sit at the stand and we'll, We'll talk like brothers. And then, you know, once he passes the word on, it's like if the pastor says you can shine a shoe good, it's, like, <laughs> it's almost like God said you can shine a shoe God. So, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's word of mouth and, you know, um, you know, technology is wonderful today, Greg. And, and, uh, you know, um, you know, as far as, uh, social media and everything, but just still that old school word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it passes on an old school trade tradition, so it, it has been. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like that's like the your roots. It's how you started out, you know, yeah. in, in your community with the people. Just go down the street and stuff. So it's 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 like it's not broke. I mean, 
why, why try to fix it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, the the one thing I want to ask here, this has been a question that's kind of burning in my head. Um, do you think, and I think you mentioned, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, do you think shoe shining is a lost art or becoming a lost art? <clears throat> it is. It is. And I'll tell you why. By the way, Greg, how old are you? 29. Okay. You know, uh, it, I've only met you once or twice, but you're very mature 29. Um, a, a lot of your younger generation, um, for lack of better words, uh, things have become disposable. Hmm. Where opposed to yeah, opposed to shining a shoe, you'll throw the shoe out and go get a new get shoe. Get a new shoe. Right. You know, and, that, and that's just the generation that you grew up in. Now, I do get some guys in the chair or guys that I meet, uh, 29, uh, middle 30s, that know about the shoe shining craft, but the only reason they know about it is because their old man has passed it on to them hmm. or tried to teach them and they couldn't do it, so they'd go to shoe shining stands. Um, and so that's how it's become a lost art. And um, some of the younger generation has gotten away from the necessity of of, of appearance, hmm. you know. Uh, and, and and I have to, I have to apply a lot of this subject of this conversation to my race, to my race. And I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. I got a nephew in Buffalo. He's about twenty six, twenty seven. The kid is smart as a whip. High IQ, right? So he'll, you know, he'll text me and you know, he's Uncle Ben. He's, he says, I can't get a job. He says, I can't get a girlfriend, right? So his name's Versailles, named after his father, but we call him Leto. So I said, Little man, well, what are you doing? He said, Well, first of all, the girlfriend. He says, Well, I'm, I'm texting her. I said, Not, you know, not. I said, I said, When you talk, when you communicate with a woman, she wants to see your eyes, man. You know, she wants to see the emotions in you if you're trying to get with her or ask her out, first of all, right? So talking about he couldn't get a job. I mean, and this kid's bright, right? So uh, I said, well, tell me about the interview. I said, well, what did you wear? He says, oh, I wore some jeans. And and uh, I said, well, how'd you wear them? And I said, tell me you didn't wear them like you wear around the house or in the street. He says, well, what do you mean, Uncle Ben? I said, you know what I mean, like hanging off your behind. He says, well, I didn't like things that mattered, right? So I get into this conversation with him, and I try not to get upset because I'm trying to explain to him and something my old man explained to me, you know, because he makes this statement. He says, well, you know, Uncle, Uncle Ben, I'm, I'm representing our race. I said, no, you, you're not representing your race, first of all. You may be representing your generation at this time, but you're not representing your race. And I said, let me say this, and I want you to hear this clearly. When you go for a job, you're going not to represent your race. You're going to impress that person who's interviewing you. You're going to show that person whatever you think he wants to see and say whatever you think he wants to hear. So that means if, if it's a suit, suit and tie job, that's where you're going accordingly. If it's uh, a casual IT job, that's where you're going accordingly. You know, your hair comb, you know. Once you get a job, once you get established, once you're helping your family, then maybe you can be a little bit more lenient about uh, representing your race, as you call it. I said, but that that that's not my race, what you're mm. doing. You, know, you get it? So 
uh, going back to just your original question, um, it, it has become a, a, a sort of a dying art because one, everything's become disposable. Two, uh, and, uh, years ago, GQ magazine, and I knew this would change everything. They had a guy on there, and he was sharp. He had a suit, but he had sneakers on. Mm. It changed the whole concept of dress just that quick, just because it's on GQ magazine. Because people do what they see automatically. They do what they see. Just like the brand names, Greg. If if, uh, if Kelvin Klein is popular, people are buying Kelvin Klein. Um, I, you know, I don't know so much what the brand names are today, uh, but you know the Kelvin Klein, uh, Boss, uh, I don't know Tommy stuff like that. Um, people are attracted to brand names for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So what is it now? Uh, man, guys are wearing suits with Jordans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy because you think about it, it. No matter no matter what you wear or how you wear it. You're making a statement one way or the other. You are whether whether you you're, you're saying you care, you don't care, or maybe it also depends on who the person is perceiving it. So you might be trying to say one thing, but they're taking it a different way. It's coming. It's coming. A you know whole what I mean? Another way. It's coming a whole another way. So uh, with that being said, uh, I knew when I saw that magazine, it would change a lot of things. Well, slowly the trend has changed, and don't get me wrong, man, because I get some guys coming through the hotel. They're sporting suits and not so much like sneakers, but Kohan has a shoe that's got like a, man, it's a beautiful shoe, but it's kind of got like a white sneaker sole. To right, it, right, right, right. Man, I, I, that's probably the second most popular shoe I do, especially during this time of year. Hmm. Okay. And, and I get some sharp guys, especially coming from Jersey, New York, coming in. And I mean, you know, they're looking tight and, and they're sporting that shoe. Okay. <laughs> But then I get some other guys, I get lawyers and doctors that want to do the Allen Edmonds and, and the uh and the churches and the how about, how about how about how about floor sign? Do you see any floor sign out there? I still do. Still I, I still do occasionally, but that that well, no buts, but that's just a shoe that was of like uh kind of like my father's era, my grandfather's era. But I still have some. Cool. I still have some. Um, but uh a younger generation, and and I like the fact that you knew about that shoe. But the younger generation, most of them, wouldn't even know a floor shine shoe. Actually, I have a pair. Do you? Floor shine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I I like them actually. They're they seem to be a really good shoe. They are. They are, and they have, uh, you know, they have history and longevity, hmm. which are things that uh, my old man used to always say was important. Longevity. He used to talk about longevity with friendship, but but uh, you know, companies that have been around like that, uh, floor shine. Uh, Nunbush, uh, there's another one that's from mine now. But those shoes, you know, I, you know, and and I probably got like, you know, Dominique saw my closet. I probably got like hundred pair of shoes, you know, and, yeah. and that's just because I take care of them and they never wear out. Mm. Okay, um, so uh, and I, you know, I got some floor shine, and I got some Allen. I've got every kind of kind of Magnani's Italian shoes, uh, because I'm that kind of guy. But once again. I don't wear a shoe out, you know, uh, I know how to care for a shoe. And so shoes just kind of like add up. And as, as a matter of fact, um, um, that to get off of myself, but, uh, I got like these Italian loafers that I've had for like 18 years, man. And, uh, uh, I get compliments on this shoe all the time. And when somebody asks me, where'd you get that shoe from? 
I can't even tell them because I don't remember because it was 18 <laughs> years ago. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So uh, so just back to your question, everything's kind of come become disposable today. But I get I get guys like yourself that might know floor shine. I get guys who who uh, where their fathers have passed on shoe shining, and that goes back to that whole male role model thing again. Yeah. Right. So what what do you think about that 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 mentality of hey I'm just going to get rid of these shoes as opposed to and not take care of them and honestly maybe that's not all their fault maybe some of the shoes just aren't built how they used to be built you know what I mean so I guess there's 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 both pieces there's how is the shoe built in the same way with the same quality as they used to and then on the consumer side are they taking care of it the way they should and and so so in your opinion I, I'm kind of curious do you think one's inherently better like if if I just say I, I bought a bunch of shoes and ran through them in a year and a half and just threw them out and bought a new pair which which way is 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 better or is is there not a, a clear winner um uh, uh, i mean you you uh that's a very good question greg and you, and you touched on a couple of things that there are are actual facts um some shoes are just better um the quality of them and they may be more expensive but then there's some shoes that like um I give you. I give you a shoe. There's a shoe called Echo. Mm. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's a shoe. It's like a durable rubber sole shoe that a lot of guys wear around the hotel. One, it's got a rubber sole so they can walk all day, but it has developed into a lot of different styles. Now it's probably about a hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks, but uh, it's got different styles. It's a beautiful shoe where it'll last a long time. Mm. Okay, you got more expensive shoes. Allen Edmonds they cost three hundred, four hundred, five hundred. Yeah, the quality, the quality matters, but it's also up to the consumer too. You know, just like, just like you take care of your car, just like you take care of your home, um, it, it applies to like everything else in your house. Hmm. And that's how, like, going back, Greg, to where that connection of uh, if you if you go in an interview, if you go in an interview and that shoe is raggedy or that shirt's raggedy. That guy's gonna look at you and say, "Man, what's his house like?" You <laughs> yeah. can't help it, right? You know, you connect them, right? So it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. So how would you? I'm really curious about this part. So you, uh, you kind of built this business. Age of 13, you said took took, took off some couple of years. And you're playing ball and stuff. When did you come back and really formalize it? So you, I know you mentioned you have a, a stand down at the Gaylord. Yeah. Um, is it a singular stand? Is it multiple stands? And then just tell tell us how you you're like. How you started that, and then how you really got under under underway with that? Okay, um, okay. Let me let, let me put a little clarity to this, and I'm glad you asked this question. Uh, I had been shiny shoes, kind of like freelancing my whole life, and, mm. and that was just like not so much a business, but people that knew me as uh, the person I am, appearance, personality, so forth, post office, church. So I always shined it, but it wasn't like as a business. Mm. It just kind of develop like well Ben uh man I got some shoes man and then there's a guy right in this area named Evan who's got like a repair shop well me and him end up connecting and got it like a partnership. So guys start actually man, you know I'm gonna get a pair of shoes shine man or, or a pair of something. So it was a business before it was a business, if mm. that makes any sense, right? Where I wasn't advertising business, people just through word of mouth and through me started coming to me. So uh, then I said, you know, man, I, I could really probably, you know, make some money on the side doing this. So the actual stands at the hotel, there's another owner of these stands, 
and he's like a brother to me. And his name's Donald Wright. We all grew up shiny shoes as kids in Buffalo. Okay. So we call him Dino. So Dino, and we're all retired now. So Dino retired first. Okay. He started this business. And then he said, Ben, when you retire, do you want to come on board? Do you want to invest? So that so that's how this this started. Now, when that started at the same time, and I've been with Dino for like six years now. Well, four years ago was when I actually started freelancing on my own mm. as a business. Um, you know, uh, keep supplies at my house, keep the chairs set up in my house. Um, so that's how. So I, I'm invested and connected to Dino's business, which is called Celebrity Bootleg. I freelance a lot on the side. Now, at the same time, um, I've just, just recently, two weeks ago, signed a contract for a military facility to put an actual chair up myself and my name, Ben Shine. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, it's because uh, of people just, uh, just word of mouth, just uh, seeing me through uh, Evers repair shop and just uh, some people at the hotel. Um, my passion mentioned me just the word of mouth and, and I get people that call me and I probably could have actually put a couple of chairs up years ago, but I had a certain, certain amount of loyalty. Let me say, I have a certain amount of loyalty to Dino and his business. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, um, so I, I, I stuck with him, but I freelanced. And like I said, I did things at the house and, uh, and, uh, you know, had business cars and, and did things that way. But, uh, yeah, I actually just uh, signed a contract that where um, I'll have a grand opening probably December to uh, set this chair up. And <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, what, what was some of the talk me through that? What are some of the thought processes when you were deciding that? Was it like, I you know I think I I really maybe something like I really enjoy this and I want to kind of have you know make it make a name for this as well. Yeah. Um. So, you know what. As you get older, first of all, as we talked talked about earlier in the segment, Greg, um, passion. Mm. You know, uh, and, and you can probably testify to this. When you have a passion for something, it doesn't even seem like work. Mm. You know, like uh, like what you've developed right here. I mean, you know, this is something that you've developed and it's uh and it's progressive and it's just us kicking it, you know, but you you have a passion with this in your heart where you're doing something wonderful and it's going somewhere for you. You may not, like you say, you may not have that end goal, but you know, it's going somewhere. Mm. Um, that's kind of the way that, that shoe business uh, multiplied, you know, for me uh, to where I love people. I love people and, uh, and all kinds of people. And that's one thing that uh, my father taught me. Um, you know, when you start having biases and, and racial issues, you shut the door on your own life. Mm. You know, you shut the door on your own possibilities. So, uh, you know, as I grew up, and even the high school, not to get off this, even the high school I went to on a scholarship, um, it was 90% white, which was a, a blessing to me because I grew up inner city black. It got me out of like my, my comfort zone and I got a chance to meet guys of different nationalities and uh and it's not to show that you're better 
but just to show that you're equal and you get the same kind of heart or dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so with that being said, um, you know, th this business, the shoe shining business, I had a passion for it and I know anything I have a passion for, I'm going to exceed in it. I'm going to be good in it. I had a passion for basketball. I was all Catholic honors in Buffalo, New York, like three years in a row, um, all-star games, stuff like that. Played AAU, uh, you know, uh, I was decent. I, I was decent, you know, and, uh, you know, but I had a passion. Who was your favorite player growing up? Well, um, at that time, it was probably like Kevin Murphy or like Nate Archibald or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, my, my, my games were like, I mean, I was no dunker, but I was I was a pure ball handler and a pure jumper. I had a great jumper. I, I was kind of like a Curry, but not at his scale. But yeah, yeah, that yeah. was kind of me. And uh, that's why I admire Curry so much today because I know for him to get where he's at, man, he had to be in the gym a lot of. Absolutely. Yeah, you know. So anyway, but uh, when you have a passion for something, and then when you know you can do something good for society or people around you, or when you can make a living for your family or supply, you know, or or or, or help your daughters or your grandchildren, then you, you, uh, th there there's no end to it. You know, there, there's no goal, and and that's something that you kind of touched on early in this, Greg, where what you're doing. You know, you don't know where the end game is with this. You know, and there may not be an end game, but the end game may be thirty years from now, where you know people are saying, you know, uh, that gentleman Greg that started the podcast, man, that's the hell of a guy. You know, you know, he brought uh, me together with this guy for a hundred thousand dollar deal. He he changed this society over here. There there is no goal or end game which makes the journey worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it's a really good point. I think sometimes people don't do things because they think like in, in the immediate future, there might not be any quote unquote gain for them. Yeah. And it's almost, it's almost a, a, a selfish way to kind of live. It is, you know, because you're not thinking about the broader picture of, first of all, you're not thinking about yourself like years down the line. And you're also not thinking about everybody else who, yeah. who could be benefiting or you could benefit by working together. Yeah. Um, the the communication aspect you touched on is, is super interesting because it's almost like, I feel like someone in your position, you're kind of like a, um, you probably hear so much stuff. Like you're, you're, you're probably like such like a, a wallflower in some of these conversations. It's probably unbelievable. You're, you're almost like, it's almost like an old school, like bartender. You know what I mean? You're kind of just, people kind of probably tell you things they wouldn't tell their wife to probably tell you things they wouldn't tell like, you know what I mean? Just because you're, you're there and you're listening and you're, and you're kind of jiving with them. Man, Greg, it's funny you say that because I was a bartender when I was about 19, 20 years old. And when you're a bartender, man, you're almost like a therapist. Yeah. You know, like a counselor. You're a therapist who serves drinks. Yeah. 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 And you know what? When And they always said, when a person gets a drink in itself for a couple, then you start to see his true self. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so uh, uh, there's an area, Crystal City, Virginia, where I bartended a club called the Black Crystal years ago. You know, I was 20 back in uh, 70s or something. And uh, even then, the, the first time, you know, some things you just can do right from the beginning. And you say, you know, I can do this. Or this is kind of like a good fit for me, you know. And I had never bartended. I was kind of like in between jobs. And I went to this mixology class for two weeks. They got me a job. I bartended for three years. 
and man, I heard all kinds of stories <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, uh, you meet people, you network, uh, you know, you meet beautiful women and I, you know, I'm a seagull then, but it, it is. So fast forwarding to the, uh, to the, to the stand, uh, man, you know, the conversation, the conversations that I have with guys and sometimes ladies, um, they're amazing. Hmm. Yeah, they're amazing. And, and the people that I meet are amazing, you know, and, uh, You know, sometimes, sometimes guys just want to sit in a chair and relax. Sometimes they want to have a business call, and sometimes they got something that's on their mind. You know, um, you know, I had a guy get in the chair the other day, and uh, you know, his mom had passed last week. Mm. You know, and uh, so we got to talking about that. I said, "Yeah, my mom lived to be ninety. She passed at fourteen. I went back to Buffalo to take care of her." You know, we started connecting on that. You know, none of the guy may get in the chair. He said, "Man." Uh, you know, Ben, you shine my shoes. As a matter of fact, uh, I was at a stand we got down high in Capitol Hill. Some lobbyists came down to lobby for like health care, for like uh, nursing homes and stuff. This guy comes that uh, I did a shoe about a year ago, two years ago. So three years ago. So he comes from Minnesota. He comes, he says, Ben, and uh, some people I remember some of them. I remember shoes sometimes better than a face. So, <laughs> right? So this guy's name, uh, Let's just say John. So he says, Ben, he says, you remember? So when we get to talking and he brings up a conversation, it'll hit me just like that. I remember. He says, man, he says, this is my son. He says, he says, I brought him. He said, because, man, you're the best shiner I've had. He says, I want him to have the experience. You know, so his son was just ready to go off to college. So now here we get the three-way going with his son. And, man, uh, his son is just, you could tell this kid's going to be successful. You know, you can tell his old man has just put this time into him and just groomed him, hmm. you know, just tell him how he should look, you know, what he should say. And uh, so the conversations go from from A to Z about anything. Now, you know, we do have a policy. We try to stay away from politics. We try to stay away from religion. Okay. I bring up no politics because politics is like a lose-lose conversation. You know what I mean? Mm. Especially with the kind of politics we've had in our country for the last four years or so, mm. you know, and not to point fingers at anybody, but the politics in this country has more or less kind of divided our country opposed to uniting it. Sure. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But I stay away from that. Our religion, I stay away from that unless you bring it up. Mm. Because uh, like I said, I'm a man of God. And uh, and God's done so many things for me and my family. Saved my life, cancer twice. I can go on and on, you know. But I stay away from it now. If you come in and you may get a shine, you may say, "Man, uh, man, thank God, Ben, Lord, man, all be to God or something." Then I may say, "Amen." And who knows? We may get off on a conversation about God then. But the conversations range from anything and everything, you know. And that's that's the best thing about it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Greg, for a guy like you know, 65, going back to how we've sort of got this separation in our country. Man, I meet so many beautiful people from all over the, the world, not just our country, but all over the world, that really Republican, Democrat, whatever you are, 
it doesn't matter. You just want fairness across the board. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's refreshing. You know, that that's refreshing for a guy like me that's 65. And for example, like you and I, you and I just met a couple months ago, you know, okay, we're different nationalities, we're different ages, we're different generations, right? Mm-hmm. But you're a beautiful guy to me and you're doing some wonderful things. Point being said, I got three grandsons, eight, three, one and a half. I know if my eight-year-old comes to Greg and is looking for a job, you're going to give him a fair shake. Sure. See, that that's that's where my mindset is today. Right. You know, so when I'm at that stand and I meet these wonderful people, and so many people, and you touched on this, Greg, so many people in this world want to do something good for somebody else. I mean, so many, in so many ways. Healthcare, uh, you know, healthcare is probably the biggest one, but, you know, I, I get lawyers that do so many pro bono cases for, for different people. Mm. Um, and, uh, man, it, it touches your heart. I, I come home every day with these lovely stories to my wife, and I know I talk her ear off at dinner because it's, it, it's just so many, mm. but it's something that I have to share, you know, because uh, it, cause it's amazing and it just shows that even though we got so many things going on in our world, in our country, we still got a whole lot of people on, on the right track. I think it's most of most people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's cheers to that. So, uh, this, this was your drink of choice. So today, today we're sipping on some, uh, some Grand Marnier. Um, is this, how long has this been your, uh, your go-to? Grand Marnier. I started drinking Grand Marnier when I was uh, 65, um, about 28 years ago. Mm. And have you ever, ever deviated from that course or has it pretty been, you've been pretty, pretty faithful in this regard? Well, I'm pretty steadfast at this, but now, uh, as I've gotten older, going back to the whole prostate cancer things as I've gotten older, I had to change eating habits, drinking habits, stuff like mm. that. So if I drink this now, uh, I'm kind of like drinking it, uh, kind of like a reward to myself on the weekends. Right. You know, for a good week. Uh, yeah. So so now I kind of drink a red wine mm. through the week because it's more, he- more healthier for me. Right. But uh, this is actually my drink of choice uh, with a good cigar. So what, um, let's, let's talk through that a little bit. What, what do you like about it? So what's, so it, uh, Grand Marnier, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a cognac liqueur. Exactly. So it's like, it's 51% cognac, 49% bitter orange liqueur blended. Um, and so, you know, what about that? What, what about that does it for you? I, I'll tell you, man, the way I started, the way I started drinking Grand Marnier, um, I used to be a pool player. Hmm. Awesome. Oh, nice. Uh, gambled, gambled a lot. I, oh, on the at the at the pool table. Yeah, I I was kind of a a hustler. I, I was kind of a big gambler. Um, in, in in my life, you know, you know, uh, you know, Michael Jordan said it's not worth, <laughs> it's not worth playing something if you ain't gambling. You know, he made yeah. that statement. Remember? Oh yeah. And, and he and he said, I may lose big, but it's not worth doing something if you ain't putting something on it. It gets you in a different mindset. You know what I mean? Oh, it does, man. It does. So anyway. Uh, Buffalo, going back to Buffalo, being a cold weather sport, mm. sports like billiards, bowling, cards, mm. major. All inside, all, all inside sports. Yeah. yeah. So I started playing pool uh, 
like when I was about maybe 16 or 17 and uh, got into that. And, uh, and in the pool halls in Buffalo, everybody gambles, hmm. everybody, uh, you know, teenagers on up, you know? So, uh, I started gam- gambling at billiards, uh, and in my family, uh, just the men, uh, you know, we, we got a model for Robert's men. We work hard, we play hard, you know? And, uh, so, uh, my old man, my uncle, you know, they, do you know where illegal numbers are? Uh, I can't say I do. Okay. Uh, illegal numbers were the lottery before there was a lottery. Okay. Okay. And that's why they're called illegal numbers. Those were numbers that like were bet on horses, but like three digit numbers, just like the lottery, mm. but they were called street numbers and they were illegal. Mm. Okay. Chicago, uh, New York, Buffalo, Cleveland, major cities up north, uh, they all had it. They all had it. Well, my family w- was known for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle, uh, not to get off our subject too much, but my uncle was uh, what they call a number runner, okay, which is where you run numbers all over the city. And he made, if you play numbers, you may call him and say his name was Roy. Uh, he said, Roy, I, I got it. three numbers I want to play. You need to take over the phone, come see you. And that was like you playing a lottery. Okay. And the only difference was that uh, illegal number paid a higher percentage than a legal number, like lottery. Mm. Okay. And they still go on up there in different cities. But anyway, getting off the subject, um, men in my family, you know, we, we we played hard. That's we worked hard. We played hard. You know, we drink, we gamble, we drive nice cars. We, that was like a Roberts kind of thing, mm. you know, and it could be self destructive, <laughs> but but that was the kind of thing. So anyway, me just with billiards and stuff. Um, I gambled early, shooting billiards, and uh, I was so so. I was so so. I'd win and lose. Yeah. But uh, uh, because I was had more of a passion for playing ball, uh, the billiards kind of slipped to the side, but. Uh, it's it's kind of like uh, yeah, like George said, man. It's just to really to really get the best out of somebody, you got to weigh something. It may not be not money. It, it may be a good dinner. It may be a good drink. And so, you know, we would uh, we would go to uh, we have bars here called Fast Eddie's. I don't know if they got them in Jersey, but they had a franchise here. Well, uh, every Friday nights, uh, you know, a lot of pool players come out and uh, we gamble. Well. Normally at that time you could smoke cigars in in the beer hall. Well, I always had a drink of Grandma Ye with my cigar because mm. it, it was up. Grandma Ye is similar to like kind of brandy a little bit, and uh, it went good with a cigar and it went good after a good steak dinner. So that kind of became my drink of choice. I kind of kept it around the house, and if I didn't drink that, I drank something like Smirnoff's gin with pineapple and. Cranberries. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That sounds good too. Yeah. So you do you like the? I'm guessing you like the orange. I do. Yeah, I do. I was actually doing some research into this, and it looks like they uh, they actually use Haitian oranges, Haitian bitter oranges, um, when they make the liqueur portion of it. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty interesting. But the whole the whole the whole um, cognac in general, I, I was uh, very intrigued by that because I think people t- generally stick to like regionally they it stick to like wine oh you got like in france you got your bordeaux or whatever other types of wine you have yeah but then that it also applies to um to brandy and this is essentially a cognac is like probably like brandy from the cognac region 
of of France. You know what I mean? It's, it's so it's you're it, exactly right. It, it's yeah. it's got layers to it too, just like just like wine does. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 a lot of uh, uh, I I, I want to just use the phrase like non-drinkers and not like drink drinkers. You know, like a lot of wine drinkers. And you're right, drink a lot of wines. Um, and then sometimes they may uh, uh, graduate to like a, a brandy or something like that, but they're not really like the whiskeys and the and bourbon and stuff like that. And uh, so uh, I got to drinking this, man. It was so funny because my mom, my mom, God bless her, my mom lived to be 90 years old, wow. passed in 2014, and never did anything healthy. Hmm. Nothing. Cooked fried foods her whole life. Smoked ever since she was thirteen. Drank Chevy's Regal till she was like, till I made it, till she switched to start drinking Grandma Yeah with me. <laughs> I, she got she got a good roll of dice. <laughs> I brought her a fifth of Grandma Yeah home to Buffalo one one Christmas, and it, she switched to drink all together, and she drank that till uh, I don't know, maybe she was about seventy or something, and uh, went into living to be ninety, but. uh and I'll tell you why she really switched, because she would put it in like an orange tea, hmm. like an orange herbal tea Okay, that was good for her. And she'd put a shot of that in there. And it would like clear up her sinuses, make her, you know, arthritis and everything else. Sounds like a, like a holiday drink, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, like a nice Christmas or yeah. winter warmer. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a good drink. It's a good drink. So, uh, so yeah, that, that that's my drink of choice. Uh, but now I, uh, I do red wine. I do like a glass of red wine uh, every night with dinner or something. Or I might have like a beer or something. I come in, but cool. To uh, what kind of what kind of beer do you drink? Man, just uh, uh like a Miller Genuine Draft or something. Genuine like Draft, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes a Corona with a lime. Or yeah, something. there you go. There you go. Yeah. But uh, you know, you are. Uh, you know, when you have a good week or, or, you know, when I have a good week and not so much just financially, but when I've done something good or positive uh, with my family or to, or to help somebody, you know, I cook out on the grill on the weekend and have a shot of grandma. Yeah. And thank God. And you're ready for Monday. It's good. I mean, I, it, I think it's good to have like a go-to drink. You know what I mean? Even in the, I, I'm a beer guy through and through. I like, I like some whiskey here and there. Yeah. Um, But like, you know, you have those beers that you only have once in a while, but it's also good to have some of those beers that, you know, you can always come back to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the ones that are tried and true, you, you know, it's always going to be there. You know, it's going to be the same. And you're just like, I'm, that, that's what I want right now. Yeah. Um, It's actually funny. Even like, I remember my, my first beer actually. And I, uh, it was, I think it was a, um, a Coors Light or something. And, you know, I wasn't really impressed. I don't think I was supposed to be impressed, but right. Um, Looking back now, I there are days when I, you know, pale ales IPAs are kind of my, my thing, especially pale ales these days. But there are days where I like it'll be like a Saturday afternoon. I'll have like done a workout that morning. You know, I'm feeling kind of relaxed. And I'll, I'll I will really create you know what I mean? You have like that craving, not like in a bad way, but just like no, no, no. Ju- just to like quench quench your thirst. Yeah. Refresh your palate, hang 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 loose on a on a Saturday or something. I mean, it's it's great. Man, I know exactly what you're saying. I uh I'm not a big beer drinker. But I keep I keep an eighteen pack of of either Miller Light, which is something my parents drank like forty years ago, or Miller Junior Draft. I keep three or four in the refrigerator, man. And and sometimes when I walk in that door, I just want that cold beer, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just want that cold beer. And 
if I do seafood, mm. I like a beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, and like uh seafood, especially with like a like a light uh American lager or a pizza. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of times on Friday, Friday's always like a seafood seafood day for us. So there's like a great uh uh seafood place about five minutes away, which I bought seafood for Dominique Casey. Yeah, those uh those shrimp you brought. Oh last yeah, well, yeah, I brought those. Ooh. Yeah, I brought those from Safeway. But there's actually, <laughs> yeah, but there's actually a fish place called Shanties, like five minutes away, that fries. Uh, I like whiting. I'm a whiting guy. Man, they'll fry up some whiting for me. And uh, and I brought I brought Casey some when Dominique was gone. She was gone for a couple of days to a conference, mm. so she was here by herself. And uh, so you know she's pregnant and everything. So I brought her something to eat and and some fried fish, and she loved it. But uh, man, there, there's nothing there's nothing like a cold beer man, or, or a fried piece of fish. Dude, yeah. I, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is, but like, there there are certain drinks. I think I think sometimes people think of alcohol as like they can only have like one type, and they try to gravitate towards one. Yeah. But if they think it's all the same, it's just like the method of getting there is, is different. I think it's just the point is to kind of, you know, get a little buzz on, and you know. But sometimes it's like, I don't know. Like I, I think I think beer beer is almost different to me. It doesn't beer can quench your thirst. I feel like in the in the ways that. A glass of wine, or can't, a, do, a, a, it. can't do it. Man, you, know, you know what I'm saying, though. Man, like I, I can't really put a exact, you know, finger on it. But no, you hit it right on the nose, man. A, a, a glass of wine or a drink just can't do it. Sometimes it's just that beer, man. You know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. man, it, it, and it, it it's. I mean, I couldn't have described it better because, like I said, I'll come in, come in here after, you know, uh, I don't know any kind of day, but man, I, I'll grab that beer and. And I don't grab that beer like to get a buzz. Right. I grab that beer, man, because thirsty. Because <laughs> it's got that taste that I want, yeah, man. Yeah. And, and it's that thirst quencher, you know. This this is um, I like this. I've never really had cognac before. Okay. Um, but this is um, it's good. You got that nice, nice bitter orange, yeah, um, flavor in there. You got a little bit of sweetness too. You know, with that the the, the brandy portion definitely is. Like if you compare it to like a, like a bourbon or a whiskey. Um, it's much, 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 much sweeter. Yeah, sweeter and it, it's uh, smoother to me. Uh, it goes down good. And I'll tell you, um, I uh, when I first started drinking this, like uh, man, I, you know, it was so good. It went down so good, man. I, you know, I hit three or four shots, man. Before, before I know it, man, I'm kind of staggering. You know, it's that hit me. You know, <laughs> right. And uh, as I've gotten older, I've learned to, uh, you know, kind of enjoy it, and. Uh, you know, kind of sip it slower, but uh, it's a good drink. It's a good drink, and especially uh, like I say, after like a steak dinner or something. Oh yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Um, this is really, this has been great. I'm really glad you suggested this. It's really expanding my palate too. Let me try some different stuff. <laughs> um, so I I want to I want to ask you this because I'm I'm very interested in some of the processes that you use. So as far as the actual shoe shine itself, yeah. maybe tell the people who are listening, or at least. Uh, maybe some general principles. Like the questions I had are, you know, how often, if you have a pair of dress shoes, is there is there a a time period where you can say, hey, maybe every year, every six months, it's a good time frame to get your shoes polished. Obviously, I think it probably depends on how much you're wearing them. But um, and then on top of that, maybe just some basic techniques for, you know, how how you do what you do. Yeah, good question. You know, good question. And um, yeah, it, it does depend on. Um, how often you wear them? Say, um, uh, if you're uh, 
if you're uh say whatever profession you're in, just say I'm gonna just say lawyers, lawyer, lawyers or or insurance guys or something. Guys that are kinda of like sport jacket up every day or something like that. They're gonna wear they're gonna wear a dress shoe every day. Um that person probably twice a month. Hmm. You should get a shoe shine. Okay. Um and uh and because it's a dying art, we're not easy to find. Hmm. And because of COVID, it made us even more difficult to find. Because you used to find them in airports and everything all over the world, but yeah, not, not so much now. So, um, you know, a lot of times, and that's why a lot of times guys, you know, when they see me or when they're coming to the hotel, you know, they bring a duffel bag because they can't find anybody or they, you know, might not find a shiner that's going to, I'm very detailed, mm. which is which is one reason why, uh, my clients come back to me and and, and like my work. Um, but there's a couple of things with just uh, caring for shoe. And that's whether it's a high-end shoe or just a a, a normal everyday shoe. Um, you know, shoe trees, they make a difference. Um, they keep a shape of a shoe. Uh, um, hill guards, I don't know if anybody knows what those are, but they're just small plastic pe- pieces that go on the back of the heel of a shoe on the back of a heel of a shoe, which keeps that shoe looking new. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to something that my mom said to me years ago. Like I said, my mom was like this. And both my parents, I mean, just detailed, just everything had to be in place. So my mom said, a man's shoe should look as good walking away as it does walking too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, just for an example, like your floor shine shoe, how long you had it? Probably about, um, I'd say a year and a half now. Okay, year and a half. So uh, normally, uh, how often do you wear it? I would say probably at least once a week, maybe twice a week, okay. depending, depending on the week. Okay. Less less in the summer, but. Okay. So when you wear a shoe that, that regularly, and say like a year and a half, you'll start to see some wear on that back heel. Hmm. Have you? Um, I don't know. I probably don't even look oh, okay. close enough. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, so, actually, I have them here, so I'll, I'll bring them up after. Oh, you okay. Look at them. And, I, and I'll show you. So, so you 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 start to now. If you've had that shoe for two years, three years, you're gonna really see some wear on that heel. Okay. So, when does a shoe feel the best? When you've broken it in after about two or three years. Right. Right. Yeah. So the point I'm making is that when that shoe feels the best. It's when you're getting rid of it or right that's when you really want that shoe to still look new right yeah right exactly. so so if you've been wearing it and uh and dominique had a pair of shoes that i had redone at my shoe repair guy where he'd kind of worn the heel if you keep wearing that shoe well okay i can shine that shoe and the top of that shoe look good but when you're walking away i can see the wear and tear on that shoe and i can probably tell you how long you had it mm. that's what you don't want when it comes to shoe care, okay? Um, but it's a good point though, because it's almost like people nowadays with people who think shoes are more disposable, right when the, the, the shoes are the point where it's the most wearable. Right. That, that's when they're getting rid of that's it. That's when you get rid of it. You <laughs> see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so and that's why I say where, uh, and, and the thing about it is that with fashions and styles, they rotate. Mm. They go away and they come back. You go away and come back. Like uh, bell-bottom pants, mm. 
You know what they are? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we wore they're, those. They're, they're kind of back now. Right. We wore those <laughs> in the 70s. They're back. Straight leg pants. We wore those in the 80s. They're back. You know, styles rotate. Same way with shoes. Same way with shoes, especially if it's a conservative shoe. Mm. Um, a conservative shoe really kind of never goes out of style. And, and you know, if it's a flamboyant shoe, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a quick story where when I was 16, my old man let me go out and buy my first pair of shoes. Right? Mm-hmm. You want to give us another shot of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. When I was 16, my old man let me go out and buy my first pair of shoes. So during my era, when I was 16, was when the disco era where they had platform shoes. Mm-hmm. You ever remember hearing about those? Yeah. It was a shoe with a six-inch heel, right? Uh, rhinestones, lime greens. <laughs> so I come home with this shoe showing my old man. So I know he's going to love this shoe and he's going to be proud. And this shoe is, uh, I mean, it, it would look like a clown shoe today. So, so he looks at the shoe and he shakes his head. He says, man, that, that'll never do. And he, and, he, <laughs> and, he, and he just simply says, Greg, he says, a wingtip will never go out of style. Mm. Well, that shoe is still being worn today, a wingtip shoe, okay? A wingtip shoe. And that's what I mean, conservative. A conservative shoe never goes out of style. A penny loafer Got it. never goes out of style. You know what I mean? But if you get some kind of flamboyant shoe, here today, gone tomorrow. Gotcha. Got it? Yeah. So with that being said, um, a conservative shoe, once, once you've had that shoe for like a couple of years, man, now that shoe feels like a house shoe. You can keep that shoe on all day. It's not going to bother you. Right. You know what I mean? Well, that's when you really want that shoe still looking like you only had it for about six months. That's where like heel guards come into play, certain care for shoes, shoe shines. And it depends on what profession you're in, how often you wear that shoe, or how quick it'll wear out. But just to take care of a shoe, um, it's, it's uh, well, you know, that that's, that's just like anything else in your profession. There's a, uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's tactics to learn about it. There's colors to learn about it. And and when I'm shining a shoe, uh, let's say you're at my stand, I'm shining your shoe. What color is your floor shine? It's like a, a nice um, light brown. Light brown. Okay. Three shades of brown. Medium brown, brown, dark brown. Okay. If it's, if it's light brown, I'll do a, a, a medium brown on your shoe or I'll do a, a neutral color on your shoe. If I do a neutral, a neutral is, of course, like a, a clear polish that'll work for any color shoe. Right. That way, I don't have to worry about making your shoe too dark or too light. Got it. It stays the same color. But if I looked at your shoe, I could tell which one. I'd probably use a medium brown. And I'd, 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 I'd use a medium brown. And I use creams opposed to like like a, a, like a wax kind of thing. Right, yeah. I, right? I use a cream, which is a little bit more expensive. But I got a guy that I get them from retail price. And cream goes on like a lotion. Okay, it goes on easier. It comes off easier. Covers the whole shoe, gives a nice high gloss. Put a medium brown cream on your shoe. But before I would do that, I would put a saddle soap on your shoe. Okay, which is it's a soap. It's a soap. You know, I uh, spray your shoe with a little water, dampen it up, loosen up the dirt, put a saddle soap on it, wipe it. I get off surface dirt like dust or like maybe uh, I don't know something off the street. So, what, what have you. so I'm guessing that that affects the the actual polish or wax you're putting on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it cleans up the shoe. Then the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the sole of your shoe. So I imagine a uh, medium brown shoe, uh, the, the sole of the heel on your shoe, brown. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that with, uh, I'm going to do that with like a, a stain repellent first, which is like a clear liquid. And what it does, it protects around the shoe from like water damage, but it also cleans around the sole, like where the thread may be. Mm. Okay. Where the sole is actually attached to the shoe. It's going to clean on my credit and I'm going to do it with a, a small instrument. that's almost like a Q-tip, mm. right? It's going to clean that up. Then once I get your soul clean and I'm going to do your soul first, because when you get ready to get up out my chair, I'm going to want your soul dry so that you don't make footprints walking through my hotel. <laughs> right. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to clean your soul. Now I'm going to go over your shoe. Uh, and does your shoe have any kind of like color damages? scratches like on the toes or something yeah, like that i think it has a couple of like toe scratches okay so so that medium polish it should cover up those scratches and blend it i'll put that cream on right give it a good brush i'll cover the whole shoe completely and uh cover the whole shoe give it a good brush couple of brushes you know and it's like a like horse hair brushes give it a good brush right and then i'll give it a good buff i'll give it a good buff you know for a couple of minutes you know cover it real good you know, especially the toes, especially the heels, because that's what men are hard on shoes, man. Our toes, our heels. our heels from driving, right? Yeah. Right? Cover those areas. Cover those areas, you know. And uh, you may take another coat. You may not. I'd have to look at the shoe. But what I want to do, I want to blend that shoe to where it, it looks like new or as close to new as possible. Mm. Then I'll give it a nice buff, right? Um, get around the edges. Then I'll actually... Put like a uh, what we call heel dressing, which I'll actually put a heel dressing on the heel of your, sh your shoe. That'll make it look just like new, like it just came out the store. Hmm. Okay, it'll give it a gloss. It'll clean it right up. It'll make it look. Just what like is that like? A, like a spray or like a? No, no, it's kind of like uh, um. Well, I've got a couple of instruments to do it, but kind of like you know, like uh, almost like Kiwi's got like the little like uh, like bottle sponges, like you can press on a shoe to hmm. give. Um, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Little okay. sponge thing, yeah. Yeah, well, they get kind of like heel dressings like that. Um, and the heel dressing, it's just a thicker, it's, it's a thicker substance that's like a dye. Mm. That way, if you got scratches on your heel, that dye will cover it up much better. Mm. I'll go around the whole sole. I'll do that. And then, um, and me, uh, I have like a conditioner that I'll use on certain shoes. And the conditioner is just basically lanolin. Lanolin is good for leather. Lanolin is for leather, like uh, furniture polishes for wood, mm. like armor rolls for a tire. You know, it'll give it a beautiful finish, but at the same time, it'll keep that leather moist. Have you have you ever seen a shoe? I'm sure you have. It's come to the stand, and you're like, my gosh, like these look like they need some 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 love. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, man, and I laugh about it because some guys come up to the stand, Greg. And the shoe may look so bad, they're already apologizing to me because the shoe looks so bad. Right? <laughs> they're, like, yeah. they're like saying, Mr. Ben, man, I, I don't know what you can do with these, man. I, you know, it's been a while. They're like giving me a whole song and dance while they <laughs> haven't had the shoe done. I said, you know what, man? It's all right. Just sit down. And uh, I said, trust me, I can make this shoe look a lot better. But I do get some shoes, man, that just are, are bad, 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 bad. Yeah. And you know what? Um Going back to what we talked about early, it's uh, it it's, for lack of better words, just disappointing because this guy 
man, he may have a real nice suit on, man. You know, yeah. he may be well-groomed, sharp, you know, from head to toe, and then his shoe is a mess. You yeah, know? yeah. And it, it baffles me because how he may think that he can go on a date or interview and it's not noticed. Hmm. And women, women know the shoes, man. If nobody else on this earth know the shoes, woman. women know the shoes. Yeah, I mean, they certainly know the shoes more than men do. Yo, yeah, absolutely. Maybe not you, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And the, uh, Dominique asked Casey one day, said, uh, do you know she said, absolutely. absolutely. It's just a thing about it. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's just like, it's, it's just a thing about society. Some things are just the way of life in America, in this world. And, and that's one thing. Women know the shoes. And my mom, you say, women know the shoes and they notice a man's watch. Hmm. And uh, it, it's funny because I thank God for my parents all the time because each, each one, they raised me with different things to make me more, to sell myself more to whatever situation I'm in before I even have to speak a word. Hmm. You know, because um, when I walk in somewhere, whether it's a date or interview or what have you, um, somebody's going to look at me and and they may not know who I am or where I am, but they may just say, uh, something just looks a little different about him. Hmm. You know, uh, and uh, and it, it, the shoe stand, I don't know how often I hear somebody tell me I don't look 65. Well, if I don't look 65, it's just because I keep myself well-groomed and hmm. well-dressed. Well Yep. You know, it, it's just, it's just the just of it. If I couldn't put it any other way. So let me, let me ask you this. So you, uh, I've, I've, this is a discussion I've had with numerous friends and um, a few other people in the past. Um, I mentioned before, you know, I have my, my main business where we often speak with business owners about some of the stuff that they can be do to improve their organizations. On the other side, I also uh, work at a brewery. Um, I've always, it's more of the artistic side. I love recipe design. I love doing that kind of stuff, Yeah. but it's like a different kind of work when you're working with your hands. You know yeah. what I mean? It is. And so you were working with your hands all the time, you know, doing the shoes and whatnot. What can you tell me about that? Um, about how that type of work is different than say going to an office and working a nine to five at a, at a computer you know, there, there, there's something there that's like this, this tangible difference where it's like this hand body mind connection that's being made. And, and at the end of the day, it's like, you have something to show. He was like, I, I saw this pair of shoes before yeah. and it was all beat up and now it's, and they look wonderful. Yeah. So maybe just elaborate on that and, and, and what that type of work and how that maybe like feeds the soul in a different way. You know, Greg, uh, you know, a couple of things going back to um, when I told you about the, the selling points of, of our business where um, conversation could shine and appearance and appearance. So first of all, um, I, I don't, I don't do anything, any kind of work without a glove. Hmm. I don't care what it is. Yard work, shining shoes, whatever it is that developed from years of being young, but that also developed working through the post office and then, you know, do you remember when Amthrax mm. came? Yeah. Through? Okay. 
Well, so many people in the post office got gravely ill or died. They didn't have gloves on. I've always worn gloves for whatever I do. So talk about using your hands. Um, I always keep gloves on my hand um, when, when I do any shoe, any shoe. So <sighs> when I look at a shoe uh, and it sits down and uh, especially if I get a shoe that's a challenge and I brought up early in, in our in our conversation today, a two-tone shoe. Mm. So uh, a two-tone shoe used to be called a, a spat years ago. And uh, uh, I'm trying to, uh, if I could uh, give an example so you really know what I'm talking about. But it's normally a shoe, say like, say like your shoe is brown all around the outside, right on top, right on top here, it may be white or it may mm. be beige or something. Well, that's that's not an easy shoe. That's not an easy shoe. And some shiners, if they don't know what they're doing, they'll mess that shoe up or they'll say, I can't shine it. Hmm. You know? So when I get a shoe like that, I feel like I'm getting ready to, uh, to do a masterpiece. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because uh, when a guy sits down with that shoe on, he'll ask me, he'll say, can you do this kind of shoe? Hmm. I'll say, by all means, have a seat, you know? So, uh, so so when when he go when he watches me and and we're having a conversation just like you and I are having to whereas um our conversation may be so good to where a lot of times a guy'll get up and they'll say Ben thanks for the fellowship the conversation will be so good this guy may not even realize like all the techniques I'm doing is going through his shoe like the certain steps I've just told you well when I'm doing these steps um, and, and it's a shoe like that, I really have to be slow and precise because if, say like the brown is on the outside, the tan the inside, if I get brown on that tan, that shoe may be ruined for life. It might not be able to be fixed. And that guy's going to be pissed. Mm. You know, there's no other way to put it. He's just going to be pissed, you know. And I'm probably going to have to pay him for the shoe. I'm, you know, I'm going to be disappointed. And he may get out the chair and say, don't go to that guy. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. So when I'm doing a shoe and, uh, and I'm just using that as an example, because it's a difficult shoe, but any shoe, even if I, if, even if I'm doing it, when I'm doing your shoe, I'm looking at it. I'm looking, when I look at your shoe, I automatically know what your shoe looked like when it left the store. My objective is to make that shoe look better than mm. when you bought it, mm. which is what I hear a lot. So, when I go through the process of what I do, and 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 I'm a very detailed guy, which I said before, e even with myself, um, I look at everything, uh, you know. And, and if and if anybody ever looks at me, how I dress, like you know, uh, if you look at me today, blue sneakers, blue belt, mm -hmm. that's me. That's my upbringing. Well, I bring that to my business. So when I do your shoe. I'm not going to miss a spot. I'm not going to miss a single area. You're not going to have to come back and say, oh, Ben, you missed this or you missed that. That's the preciseness of what I do. That, that's where doing something with your hands um, is, is artistic, you know, opposed to pushing buttons on a computer. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and you're just you're just watching that process take place. It's, it, it's almost like, um, uh, it's almost like I'll, I'll see a guy walking, past my stand 
and the shoe might not look too good. And I may yell to him. I may say, what time do you want me to wake that shoe up? <laughs> you know, um, and I, you know, I use different cliches and expressions like that. And the guy will look down at the shoe and he'll say, yeah, I'll be back in a half hour. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I do. I, I bring a shoe back to life. And uh, the process of, and the way you do it, but the best part is that when you get that finished product and that shoe looks better than when that guy got it out the store and he doesn't even know how that process took place over the last five or 10 minutes because he's so involved in the conversation mm. and, and enjoying the fellowship. That makes it all worthwhile for me. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's it's just like time has went by and somebody else might see my work, but because I have a passion for it and I've been doing it so long, man, it's just like, uh, you know, creating a, 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 a picture or a painting and, and the finished product is, uh, is ultimately, you know, what pleases me. Yeah. I, I, um, I feel the same way. I think there, there really is something that when you, when you, when you meld that, that passion with something, uh, transforming a product or, or a service, whatever business it is mm -hmm. to something that is really, uh, no, a pleasure to behold at the end of the day. Like, wow, look at that. That shoe is nicer than when it left the store. Yeah. This, this beer is one of the best beers I've ever had. That artwork is, you know what I mean? There's something that the, but the, the tangibility yes. of seeing that, I mean, that's, that's gotta be enlivening, enlivening for you. I, oh. I know it is for me. Oh my God, man. The, the, the gratification of that. Mm. I mean, to, to hear a guy, the, the, uh, like my business card, uh, you know, it just simply says Ben Shine, but it also says, come enjoy the experience. Mm. I treat it like an experience. Yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, when you sit down, I don't want you just to be looking at how I'm doing your shoe and waiting for it to turn into the turn of that. I'm busy with the conversation, entertaining you mm. while I'm transforming your shoe. Then all of a sudden I said, okay, we're good, man. You know, you're done. He looks at the shoe, and uh, I can look at his expression on his face, and, and nine times out of ten, he says, man, Ben, I can't remember the last time the shoe looked this good, mm. you know? Yeah. The, the, one of the things I want to touch on, and uh, I think this is a really interesting thing to, to cap this off with, is doing things for business that you don't like to do necessarily or you don't always feel like doing. And so you mentioned earlier that when you were, you were younger, you know, part of the experience is, yeah, I'm shining the shoe, but I also have to provide a conversation. Yeah. So you're reading stuff, you're seeing what's new. What should I be talking about with these people? What are they interested in? Right. Um. So I'm, I'm sure in your tenure doing this, you had days where you're like, you know, I don't really feel like talking today, but you realize that's part of the deal. You know what I mean? You're there, you're there for your customers. So talk about that for for a minute. And and in business. You know, it might not always be things that you feel like doing at that time, but you're doing it for the sake of the larger picture. Yeah. Um, and then we talked to that. I think, there, I think there's some grit ideas in there. Like, I'm going to do this no matter what, but talk about that for a second. Man, man, man Greg, that, man, that, that's such a, uh, uh, an important question, man. You know, um, because, you know, you, you still have your everyday life with everyday problems. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, but you still have a service to perform, you know, you still have a service to perform to complete and you still have a service that you want to perform that entire day 
and still be proud of it, you know, mm. and, uh, and, you know, going from when I was a kid to where I'm at now, uh, things like then, like I've, I might have been thinking, oh man, I'm going to go swimming. Where today I might be thinking about, oh, you know, my, my oldest grandson had pneumonia last week. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or my wife, uh, you know, had an illness or uh, I lost my aunt, you know, or, you know, there's so many things at our stage of life as adults, as adults that um, you can't help be consumed by uh, on a daily basis. If it's somebody you care about, if it's an important issue, hmm. you know, and, and especially when it comes to family and dear ones, um, you know, it, it can take, over, it can take, it can take over your mind and, and be, um, it can be mind boggling, but you still have to, uh, man, you still got to do what you got to do, mm. you know, uh, you know, and, you know, you've heard me talk about my own man many times, you know, through our, through our, our podcast today, uh, but he, he instills so many things. And so, uh, when I turned 18, um, 19, I moved here. And, uh, so, so at the age that I became a man, and by the way, I, ha- I had my first child when I was 16, she's 48 now. And, uh, you know, she ended up being a doctor, has a great career, but he told me when I was 16, he said, you're a man now. Uh, he said, you have a child. He said, you know, your life is transitioned. You're a man now. Point I'm making is that if I had any kind of issue, he would say, you know, you got to handle that now. He said, I might can help you out, but you know, that's your issue now. And the second thing he would say, whenever he would see me, he had one word that he would always come to me. One word, Greg, and that was all he wanted to know was results. Yeah. If I told him I had a problem like three months ago and I might even take or a month ago, he was going to call me and he was going to say, well, uh, you know, how'd you make out with that problem? And he wanted to hear results, you know, no excuses, you know, no shoulda, woulda, coulda, no, uh, you know, no excuses. And I remember that as a kid, you know how you could used, used to say, like, if you're in the wrong place, you could tell your parents, well, he did it or she did it or I didn't do it. Or, it wasn't my fault. My old man always had a reason why, well, you shouldn't have been there. You knew not to say that. You shouldn't have acted that way. You know, he always had a reason why whatever happened to me wrong, I could have avoided, mm. you know. I could have fixed it. He started that. He embedded that in me early. So as I became a man, all he wanted to, was results if I had an issue, mm. you know. And that's not to say, you know, he wouldn't give me his input. But if I told him I had an issue a month later, he expected me to have an answer of why I solved it. Mm. So to answer your question, you know, when you have those days and you use the great word grit, grit, um, you have to have that grit daily. I don't care what your profession is. I don't care what your passion is. I don't care what your love is. Whatever you have to do as a man to take care of your family, to survive, you can't do it without grit. Mm, I totally agree. Yeah. I think grit's one of the most important things. Absolutely. Um, so 
before before we end, we typically do what's called a quick question round. So we'll kind of run through a few questions here. Okay. And just like, you know, top of mind answers, things that come right right to your head. Um, so the first one is what's the coolest thing you've seen lately? That could be in your profession, it could or it just could be anything in general. What's the coolest thing you've seen? Coolest thing I've seen lately, uh, was that kid Francis Tiafo uh get to what the semifinals in the US Open? Oh yeah. Yeah, and beating the doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the coolest thing I've seen lately. You a big tennis guy? I'm I'm just an underdog guy. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. Yeah, I'm an underdog guy. I feel that. Um, what tools do you use on a daily basis that you couldn't live without? And this could be like a software tool or it could be like a like a physical tool that you use. Um, it's actually words. Hmm. Gratitude, humbleness, and humility. Hmm. I use that daily and that 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 grounds me. Hmm. That grounds me for whatever's gonna happen that day. Okay. And there is one other thing. I read a daily bread every morning. Okay. Mm. A daily bread is a scripture, of course, a book of scriptures for each day that grounds me. That makes me humble. That makes me realize, well, you know what? Uh, Greg may be acting ugly today, but, <laughs> but I don't know what's going on in his life. Right. So gratitude, humbleness, humility. Got it. Um, over the next period to the next 90 days, what are the most transformational changes that you're looking to make in your personal life and in your business? Personal life, um, personal life for 90 days. It's, it's kind of simple. I'm, I'm always, I'm always wanting to make my life to make my wife always feel like the most important thing in my life. Hmm. Oh, my queen first. Okay. She comes first before anything else. And that's that scripture. And that's my way of life. And my children after that, that that's not just 90 days, but that's that's every day. So that'll be the most important thing. And of course, my business is that to um, always reach out to somebody else, make them feel good, um, uh, do a new shoe, do a new customer. And um, please somebody where they'll come back and say, you know, Ben, I never had a shine like this before, man. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. Yeah. And then uh, finally, what is your favorite beverage? Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier, man. There you have it. Yeah. Well, Ben, listen, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, it's really been great just just to chat with you. Yeah. Um, so what I want to do is, you know, if there's anything you want to shout out, if you have like a website or, you know, let people know your location, if you like, uh, you want them to come by and try try out a shine, feel free to plug that right now. Uh, you know, Greg, uh, man, the only plug I can put in is for you, hmm. uh, Greg, this, uh, this has been a treat. This has been a treat. And I'll tell you, you know, once again, uh, touching on some things as me being, uh, the man at the age I am 65, when I meet a young guy like you doing your thing and doing it the right way, man, that's inspiring, you know, cause I wouldn't want to be young today to save my life, <laughs> you know? Um, and I mean, I, the cancers and, and hip replacements and everything, I wouldn't want to be young today because one, um, I never had social media in my day. Okay. I, I didn't have to worry about so many things you guys got to worry about. And two, the competitiveness that's here today. And three, there's so many ways that a young person can go off to the left and go in the wrong direction today that I never had to worry about. So when I when I meet a guy like yourself holding it down, 
looking good, looking healthy, doing something positive for people, for herself, you know, making a change. That, that's my shout out. You know, follow Greg. Appreciate that. All Cheers right? to that. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not yet a subscriber, please go and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and all major platforms, and you'll get notifications whenever new episodes are posted. If you want to write to us, our email is leverageandbeverage at gmail.com. And if you follow us on Instagram, it's at leverageandbeverage. I'm Greg Sobosinski, and you've been listening to Leverage and Beverage. As always, keep pushing forward one sip at a time.